Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Impossible, Part 1, Kingdom Teachings, recorded Sunday, March 20th, 2022. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Here we are in the book of Mark, and we're going through this section we're calling Impossible. And uh, this is the primary teaching section for Mark. And it's the only place that we're going to see these parables. And what we're going to see are a couple things, teaching and power. And Jesus is teaching. What that's going to show us as we look at this is following Jesus is an opportunity. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. And he is powerful. He has the power to address every area of our life with hope. And, and so I love it that we're also using these passages with the same weekend that we had baby dedication because, uh, as you'll see, these passages are talking about growing and multiplying, and, of course, the families that we're celebrating today understand that from the human perspective of having children. So here we go. We're going to jump right into Mark chapter 4. And again, he began to teach by the sea. And remember, the great multitudes were gathered to him. This has been the theme for the last couple of weeks. So that he got into a boat and sat in, in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables. So here's, again, this is two types of people. And it's always the way it is with God. There's always a couple types of people. There's the ones who say, you know, Jesus is a great storyteller, but give me the miracles. And we, we need help. And that's okay. I mean, it's all right to appeal to God for help. And then there's the other type. Jesus is so, you know, he's God's, he's God's voice on earth. He's the teacher. And so I can't get enough of him. And so remember, there's this pressure he's feeling from the crowds. We've talked about this. And uh, so he has to get some distance from them so he can actually teach them. So he uses the natural amphitheater of the sea, puts himself in a boat, people are on the, on, the, on the dry ground, and so it works out really good. And then he uses stories. He bridges the gap between the ones who just want miracles and need meat, and he says, I'm going to tell you some stories about the eternal life God offers you. And by the way, in the parables, though it's kind of hard for us to detect this because these parables were written and spoken to people in the first century, not our day, they always had something humorous in them or something absurd so he could make the point. Always something that would just catch their attention. And I, you know, I think we all love a good quip or a good illustration to get our attention. I, I read a few a while back, somebody said, when one door closes... Another, and another door opens, you're probably in prison. Uh, at age 60, that might be the new 40, but that means 9 p.m. is the new midnight. Anyone? Uh, just me? Okay, gotcha. Uh, the older I get, the earlier it gets late. Have you noticed that? The other crowd got that really. You guys are, yeah. Uh, here's uh, last one, I promise. Um, you're sitting in, in, in public and you're, you're in a chair and somebody comes sits next to you. Here's what you do next time. Just stare straight ahead and say, did you bring the money? <laughs> Just see what happens. I don't know. It might be kind of fun. 
This is the first occasion Jesus ever made use of the parable that we know of because it's stated that way. The disciples were impressed. The, the crowd, some of them were, some weren't. So here's what he says in verse 3. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as it happened, as he sowed, that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root in it, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, and it yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So I want to point out real quickly, the, the thing that audience would have caught that was absurd was this idea of how recklessly the, the farmer sowed the seed. And just like in our day, you know, planting seed was a, it was a valuable, valuable commodity. You wouldn't just throw it everywhere. You'd be very specific in how you plant it. They would have caught that right away. And it was a point that Jesus was going to try to make with them in this parable. So in the parable, he's talking about the kingdom of God, the mystery of the kingdom. And what does that mean? Well, what it doesn't mean which many over the centuries, especially in our day, are trying to make it mean, but it does not mean, it does not mean that God is hiding truth from people so that the only the ones he specially chooses will, will, will get the message, the rest of us, we can go to hell. That's not what this means, not at all. It means that what God is doing, what God is doing is mysterious. There's just going to be mystery to it. You just need to understand that. And it's usually hard to understand the the, the actions of God in the middle of his actions. It's hard to understand the purpose of God in the middle of life. And this is the mystery of how God moves in our world. And oftentimes it just means that, you know, he's just planting a lot of seed and he wants it to come up. And uh, the deceiver wants us to think that if there is a God, he's sitting up there someplace watching us poor struggling mortals down here in the sinful planes of life, and he really doesn't have anything to do with us. He doesn't care about us. Jesus is showing something else about God. The scriptures reveal that everything is brought into God's being by God's will, that God has a plan. The Bible teaches that without destroying our free will, the Bible teaches that he is moving in a vast purpose for our, on our behalf, and, and, it, and he likens it to a to a growing season with his people, and uh, he's involved with it. Now, let's read on and just see where this goes. <clears throat> 13, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? Because they were saying they didn't. How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and those are, these are the ones who, by the wayside where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise, a second type of person, are those who are sown on the stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so they endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, here's the third type. These are those who are sown among the thorns, and they are, those, they are the ones who hear the word, 
and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke it out, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones, a fourth type, kind of like the good ground where the seed is sown. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. Now, if there's one thing that we should get from this whole section of teaching, I'm just going to throw it out there. God's kingdom is near even when it doesn't seem so clear. His kingdom, his work, his actions, they're always here, they're near. Even if at times we're going, God, where are you? What are you doing? So let's talk about that for a few minutes. Because there's some things that every follower of Jesus needs to understand. One of them is this. My receptivity to God's truth is fluid. Meaning, we are, all of us at times, in any one of those four conditions of receptivity that we just read about. The parable of the sower discovers why some of us are ready to listen, some of us are not, some of us, we go through a season where we are, you know, we're we're wondering if, if it's making any sense, and then the heat of the world hits us, and, you know, so just think about this, these four soils, these different kinds of of people or different conditions we each find ourselves in at some point or another. Because at any given moment, our receptivity level to his word, to his truth, is going to be one of these four conditions. So the question is, I mean, you have to ask yourself if you're really going to be true to this story that Jesus tells, this parable is, what is the condition of your heart right now? Where are you right now with receptivity with God's truth? I mean, do you have a calloused heart? Do you, you know, are you just not open? Are you, you, you know, you're just like, I don't want to hear it. I mean, even today, you're here, but you're really not here. You know what I mean? Because you didn't come here to, to, to receive truth. You, you came here because your spouse said, let's go to church. I said, okay, I got nothing better to do. Or you're here because, you know, maybe, maybe you do know that in the big sense of things, there might be a God out there that wants to, tell you something, but you're still not open to that. And that's what he's talking about, this unresponsive, calloused heart that, so that God's truth hits your heart, but it just bounces off, just bounces off. And you know, I will say, I've been where you are, if that's where you are, and I'll probably be there again at some point, at some level, because the heart does that. It's a very deceptive um, concept in the human being, the heart and how it works. And some of you can relate to this, too, because you are a person who has found hope in Christ, and you're, you're, like, you're flying high with your understanding of God's love for you. And, like, you want to tell everybody. You just want to broadcast that. You want to be like that sower that says, I'm going to tell everybody. So you're going to talk to your, you know, your spouse about it because you want them to have the hope you have. You're going to make sure your kids know what's going on in your life or your parents. Uh, maybe for you it's a friend, and you, and you, just, you just can't wait to let them know how real God's truth is for you. And so you tell them, and they're like, oh, that's great. Good luck with that. And you can't believe it because you're so open to God. And, and so then you kind of beat yourself up. I should have said more. I should have said less. I should have said this. I should have said that. I should have sent another sermon. I mean, you know, because you want them to have what you have, but their condition is not ready for that. Now, some of us, I'm sure there's many people here this would be the category you fall into right now, is we have like a shallowness to us where we're open, 
to God's truth in our life. But, and, but, but what happens is then it, we, we, we're not developing a depth in, in, our, in our faith. And so then when the heat of the world comes, and it will, when heat bears down on your life, it burns you up. It just burns away the truth, and it doesn't allow you to, to have the enthusiasm or the trust in God because it's been burned away. Or maybe you've allowed for the challenges and temptations of day-to-day living to kind of choke it all out. Like he, he uses the illustration of the weeds where they come in and choke out the commitment you have to God. And Jesus says there's three common weeds that will do that to us, and you probably will relate to all of these. Worry, materialism, and, and the pleasures of the world. Now, I want to say this, that there's nothing wrong with any of the three of those things in the context that God wants us to have them. A little worry is not a bad thing if, if it keeps us centered on God. If we, need, you know, if we need to reconnect with God and worry is the step for that, a little bit of it, not to live in it. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with having pleasure in your life. God created pleasure. It's a good thing. Only if pleasure is the thing. You're always chasing for the next experience and you're not happy or satisfied until you fill your bucket with something bigger and newer and whatever. And that goes into materialism, thinking that we can just buy our way to happiness rather than to trust God for that. So understand, Jesus, and he hits on the three things that probably most of us struggle with at some level. And so I want you to see this in these conditions all of them change, so you will find yourself at one level or another in, one, in all four of these. For some of you, it's just you're just wide open right now to God. We're going to have a rooted celebration tonight, and one of the things I love about those celebrations is here's a group of people who for 10 weeks, 11 weeks, have been focusing on knowing God better, and I find that most of them are really open to what God has next for them, and I'm always excited to encourage them to take the next step with him because they would represent that fourth level of receptivity. So let's read on because I think these all come together and it's going to help us to have that context. Here's the second principle that comes out of Jesus' parables. I'm going to read in verse 21. He also said to them, a lamp is brought to be put under a basket. Is, Is a lamp bought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor is there anything kept secret that should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And so this principle is pretty simple, I think. God's truth will come out no matter what. And we know this. We know that ultimately there are really no secrets I mean, we might think there are secrets, but we should live our lives so that whatever we do, we think it might be in the Twitterverse tomorrow. We should live our lives so that whatever we do, we might think that mom will find out because mom always finds out. In other words, nothing's hidden, and we don't need to recapture anything if we haven't hidden it in the first place. Now, he wants us to show, the way, the way he illustrates this, we're like lamps. We're visible. We're brainwashed to believe that, that secrecy is the inalienable right in America, like, like privacy. But it is not. And so in the kingdom of God, there's just, we just can't be private. 
We need to live our lives so they shine out in a way that brings glory to God. That's what he's talking about. Because there's no secrets. In the kingdom of the world, you can die a hypocrite or worse, and you can have a statue left behind in your honor, not in the kingdom of God. You, there's nothing to hide. There's no reason to hide it. And so in that vein or in that line, who are you accountable to? Who is it that you line your life up with so that you can be honest with them in the, in the, in the, in the deepest sense so that nothing's hidden? Because in, in essence, God knows anyway. Let someone in the world you trust know it with you. Here's the third thing. God is working even if you are wondering. God is at work even if you can't see it. Here's how he, he says it in a parable. Verse 26. The kingdom of God as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how for the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade then the head, after that, the full head, grain of head, uh, grain on the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts it to the sickle because the harvest has come. So, in this kingdom teaching, he's just saying, God's always working. No matter what, God's always working to bring about the kingdom as he envisions it. And you're, you're working too if you're doing the right thing for God. Now, by the way, this is one of my favorite and most encouraging parables of Jesus. The reason is I love the optimism of it. Now, most people who know me know that I'm a pessimistic optimist. I mean, that kind of describes me. Anybody else? Pessimistic optimist? Like, so there are things, I'm always questioning stuff, right? And always, I'm kind of skeptical. I'm, I could even be, even be a conspiracy theorist at times, you know? But the fact is, I have a ton of belief and optimism that, in the end, God wins, and so do I. So do you if you're in his kingdom. So, so there's forces at work, and I trust him in that. And I, no matter what's happening now, I know that ultimately the game is not out of his control. You know, So what am I expected to do in that in the meantime? I'm expected to plant, to water, to nourish, to wait, to let the process work because God's working. God will work. He must work. I have confidence that he's working. And I just get out of the way. But the temptation that I face, maybe you do too, is that when things are out of my control, I want to be in control. I want to take matters into my own hands. Anybody else, to be honest, that you just want to be in control? And so what we do is we, we, we forget that God is sowing seed and he's reaping in the harvest even when we don't have any control over what's happening. I love the fact that this weekend we've been talking to our young families about what it means to be dedicated to raise their children to know Christ. And I love the pictures and, and, and the families that are, are going to gather in the next hour to have that dedication moment. But if you're a parent, you know what I mean by this. You know that there's a lot of times when you think, man, I poured so much into my kids. I mean, from the word go, it was like everything I could give them so that they could grow, I provided for them so they could be healthy, so they could be happy. And then as spiritual parents, we're like, I want my kids to know God. I want my kids to, you know, I, I want, I'm dedicated 
to letting my kids know God. And I'm going to live my life at the level that I need to to instill God's truth in their life. So I invest the time. I invest myself. Maybe you're one of the parents who, you know, you do serve over in kids' ministries because you don't just want to train them at home, but you want to be a part of training them and other kids in, in the context of the church. And so it's great. Or maybe you're one of those people that volunteers uh, in element and in student ministry because you just see the huge value of pouring into the lives of adolescents and teenagers. And so I've watched many, many times, though, where really well-meaning Christian parents will see their kids go through a, a dry spell, so to speak, with God, and they'll start just doing, like, it, you know, it can start at the age 12, 13, and might, who knows how long it'll go, but there's just this period of time where you're just, you know, you're, you're, you're pulling your hair out. Now you know why I don't have any. You're pulling your hair out because you can't figure out why these kids are acting the way they do, and they've just gone insane for like five years, and you can't figure it out, and then you've gone insane for five years, and you can't figure that out, and maybe you're going, God, where are you in all this? And then what happens is, down the road, all that planting that happened, all that influence that you and others had in their lives, it starts showing up a crop. It starts coming out of them. It might be when they're 20 or 30. It might be when they have kids. But all that work, all that effort that you put in, it comes back. And, and, and those are the kids who are then reaching out to us and saying, hey, we wanna, I want to I wanna serve God in my life. I want to volunteer and be a coach in Element. Uh, I, can, I can name many, many people who I thought at one point in their life, wow, they're way out. And now they're way in because the harvest came. And the sickle came down, and Jesus said, I'm going to reap that harvest in your life. And now they're doing it too. They're broadcasting the story. So that is the word growing secretly. We don't know how it happens, but we can rest secure knowing that God's at work. And it doesn't all depend on you. It doesn't all depend on me. It doesn't even all depend on us. As a matter of fact, most of it, he makes happen. Just start sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. Don't give up sowing the seed. And rest in the fact that God will work. We're going to commune, and then we're going to come back, and I want to finish up this section of teachings by Jesus with one more parable that he tells. Lord, as we come to this communion time, this time of corporate gathering for the purpose of acknowledging the, the biggest moment in history when you, so to speak, planted yourself in a tomb and on the third day powerfully rose to bring the kingdom of God to life forever. Lord, we celebrate that moment. We celebrate that we can have a part of it. And I pray, Lord, that we can just come to you in true faith in this moment, simple faith. Say thank you. And Lord, listen to your word. Listen to your spirit. Listen to your hope for our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Then he said, verse 30, To what shall we like in the kingdom of God, or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when it's sown in the ground, it's smaller than all the seeds of the earth. But when it's sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs, 
and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. As I thought about wrapping this message up with this story, I, I thought about how in so many times Jesus says to us, he says, just give me a little faith, just give me a little bit and let me work. Let me be that miracle worker. Let me be that rain maker. Let me be that light in the darkness that can bring something great out of something really small. And I'm, I'm guessing there's any number of us here today, you included possibly, who you're like, man, I just need something. I just need a little bit to know that God's still with me and that there's hope here. And all the things that are happening in my world, in my life, Lord, what is it you want from me? And I'm just, I'm just here to tell you, because Jesus just said it. He just wants a little bit of faith. Just give him a little bit. Wherever you are, whatever level of receptivity you find yourself in, if you're feeling really hard-hearted right now, just muster up just a little faith. Say, God, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. Or if you've maybe become kind of shallow in your walk with him and you've stopped really trying to know him, go a little deeper with him. I'm going to give you a little more, God. Or maybe you're one of those people who the concerns of the world have really crushed you. You're getting choked by the things that Jesus mentioned and maybe something else. God, I'm going to try to clear my way through the weeds just enough to see you call on you. And if you're in one of those great seasons of life where you're so receptive to what God has and you're wide open to hearing him, open up further, but also realize you have a role to broadcast the seed. You have a role to spread the word and let him do the work. But, but you, do the, you do the telling. Let him use your voice, your heart, your life to make a difference in someone else's life. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org, call us at 308-384-5038, or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.